clubhouse. Welcome to the final episode of Pod Clubhouse's coverage of NBC's This Is Us. This is for the series finale, the 18th episode of the sixth season called Us. This is Paul. This is Caroline. Finales, Caroline. <laughs> They're always hard for us to sit down and do for so many reasons. Most especially we get so attached to all these characters and the storyline and we don't want to let it go. And then I'm also going to say we have gotten burned before where we like sit down right away and we and we give our opinions and everything. And then like two days after a finale, you know, the creator will do an interview and will be like, that was to represent the green toad that you would have seen like, you know, three weeks ago. And we don't get to talk about that because we already finished the podcast. So I'm going to say right up front that I'm reserving the right to give a PS podcast at the end of this series. If some new information comes out, if Fogelman decides he wants to, you know, explain all these secret things or whatever, I expect us back in the seats. That's a heck of a warning, Caroline. It's good to know because <laughs> we have a lot of shows coming up. We'll have to fit that into the middle of it. Such shows include the Obi-Wan Kenobi show on Disney+, Plus, uh, my own Battle Beyond the Movies podcast. We have Handmaid's Tale returning this summer, Westworld. We are going to be busy, but should new information come to light... There will be a PS podcast. <laughs> You guys, since this is our final podcast, and I hope you guys have enjoyed all of our coverage for, for all of these seasons, please make sure you go over to podclubhouse.com and check out all of the different series that we cover. There's movies, there's even live events. We were covering a lot. Oh my God, so much this summer. It's crazy. Paul's going to be over at San Diego. And uh, also in Austin for the ATX Television Festival. If you've been listening to us for any period of time, we've probably mentioned it. And I mean, we've actually been to the This Is Us panel at the ATX Television Festival where Ken Olin and Milo Ventimiglia were there with us. Yeah. We were breathing the same air <laughs> as Jack Pearson. We were at the very back of the ballroom, oh my though. God, it was so packed for that one. Stick around, you guys, please. If you know Beyond just finding out what we think about your favorite shows, we'll also tell you new things that are coming out, whether it be movies or TV shows or what have you. So stick around with Pod Clubhouse. We'll talk to you about all the things, Paul. All right, Caroline. So we've talked at length about how we're going to structure this show. And I think <laughs> what we're going to do <laughs> is go, we're going to talk about the show first. Okay. And then finish. Like this episode. Right. And then we're going to talk about the series. Okay. The show. <laughs> okay. I'm prepared for that. Okay. All right. So we're all like, woo, woo. On the death train. Get back on the train. <laughs> ding, ding. Get back on the train, right? You predicted last week that we would be returning to the train. You thought that we were left without enough between Jack and Rebecca, and you wanted to see an additional conversation. Was this everything you wanted? Yeah, more or less for that segment, because they, they've never really been overly philosophical in terms of, you know, the meaning of life or from like any kind of religious or humanist standpoint. It's just sort of been this gesture, I think, toward good feelings toward the afterlife, hope toward the afterlife, but they're not coming out and saying Christian afterlife or or something like that here. Mm -hmm. um, 
just the trust the process the uh, that Dr. K gave us last week. We got the messages from Jack, don't be scared, the comforting kind of language that you would hope to hear when it's your turn in the caboose. Oh, in the caboose. <laughs> that really is a very different meeting now, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really does. So one of the themes that I feel makes a lot of sense for this one is transitions. I haven't seen a lot of people talking about that on social media. I may be the only one that sees it this way, but I have so much trouble with transitions myself. I hate when school gets out because I hate trying to start up a summer routine. But then when we're full swing summer, I hate getting back into a school routine. I just hate transitions. Like it is not for me. I just want to stick with what we are doing. And that is it. Mainly because I don't like to be told what to do and transitions require a lot of being told what's next, right? And I hate that part. Adjusting to what's coming next. I never like that. So I'm going to say that in every single section we're going to talk about in this episode, you are going to be witnessing some amount of transitioning. And this is very literally Rebecca going from life to death. She's transitioning into the afterlife. I thought that it was awesome that we got to see the hand squeeze as like the I'm ready to go from the train point of view because we had seen it last episode from the Randall point of view or like the bedroom point of view. Yeah. I, I know I said I wouldn't talk about the show, but now I'm going to talk about the show. You yeah, I mean like the series. The series. Um, I'm going to keep being like your translator over here. <laughs> so we've talked uh, episode after episode about how, whose story is this? Uh, so he Jack heavy, so Kevin heavy so often, so Randall heavy, so not Kate heavy until the very end, and then completely an exposition for after that, too. She got two weddings, Paul. The boys got none. That's true. I, I, <laughs> I, I think um, all of that effort was put in to have some affection, some relationship with those characters. And then toward the, uh, the back half of the series... We get less of those, less Jack specifically, and more into Rebecca's story. Now, this is where I bring it back to this episode. The way that the whole thing ends is when she ends. That, to me, says that the whole story was really Rebecca's journey, start to finish. Okay. It's just that they needed to invest us. Not that Rebecca's story wasn't worthy. It's more like, look at all they did, you know? Mm -hmm. And these elements needed to be there to get them there. But underlying all of that, mm -hmm. for their, all their flaws and achievements that they, that they endured, there was Rebecca, the platform beneath it. That's how the, the train aspect of it, at least, is very okay with me, fulfilling for me, even, in, in that, like I said before, when she ends, the, the show ends. Close the book. What about you? How did you feel about the train segment? Well, you know, we talked at length last last podcast about the whole metaphor of the train, and it was a really risky move for them to do because there's been a lot of times when we've seen television shows try to go a little avant-garde with how they're trying to explain a certain thing, oftentimes death is is one of them you know they do something a little bit out there that people have a hard time understanding they really nailed it with the train in terms of we could all ride along with this story and understand what she was going through understood as she was walking through those cars she was reliving these memories and thinking about all different times in her life when she gets there what really mattered to me and this is a conversation you and you and i have had many times where i'm not 
particularly religious, but I am spiritual in that I will say to you, if Jesus walked into this room right now, or God or whomever, and had to judge me, in the bottom of my heart, I am positive that they would hug me and they would say, you did good. You did good. You did what you needed to do. And that doesn't mean I'm not like a sass mouth. That doesn't mean I don't cause a lot of trouble. But at the end of the day, I get my job done, right? Everything I'm supposed to be doing. That contentment that I have is something that a lot of people I can see don't have. You know, that there's a lot of worry of like when I get to those pearly gates and I'm going to be judged, you know, have I done good enough? And so I was so happy that they had that moment between Rebecca and Jack where she's like, and she's like, we did good. And, and she, he's like, you did good. As small as it is to say someone, you did good to someone, as like little as that sentence seems, it's everything. Well, and it's from Jack, the one opinion that she probably needed to hear the most on Always. that. Yeah. Always. That's that's the one. I mean, think about any situation where you have like a partner in crime and then they fall off for whatever reason, but you complete the mission and then you get to actually meet up with them at the end and they're like, you freaking did it. It was supposed to be a two man mission and you freaking completed it on your own. Like, that's amazing. You know, now a lot of people would say, hey, Caroline, what about Miguel? I know. I know. I know. <laughs> but but for all intents and purposes, she she completed the Jack and Rebecca Pearson mission. For lack of a better term, Jack is supposed to be her soulmate. Yes. Miguel, I'm not going to take anything away from the work that the Miguel character did mm -hmm. with caretaking and um, companionship in her latter years. And, you know, she provided some of that back to Miguel as well. But, you know, in terms of whose love story was this at any point, there's a reason they didn't show us their love story. Their story was a... It was a friendship. Yes. And and it was it was one of those things where, you know, they were they were like I think companionship is a great word. Like they they truly cared for each other. But you're right, I don't think they were soulmates. I don't think that it was that level for Miguel. There's and Rebecca. a reason like like that kind of that kind of relationship that late in life where you see 60 year olds get married and it's like not this usually like a hot and heavy sort of, you know, Pam and Tommy sort of situation, you, are ridiculous. you know, it's, it's, it's more like, I want to be around you, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, I want you to be around me. That's what they had. You had a interesting take on why we were seeing the flashbacks that we were seeing in terms of Rebecca's actual death. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that. I haven't seen a lot supporting my opinion, but that's not unusual. <laughs> I think it's interesting. And you're right. I haven't seen anyone talking about this, but framing this up in this in this way is, is different and interesting. Uh, a television series has a writer's room. But there's someone guiding that writer's room. Sometimes it's a creator. Sometimes it's a showrunner. Sometimes it's both. But that is what gives a well-designed show a singular focus. This one has one that's been there the whole time, Dan Fogelman. So I might be giving too much credit to him, but I don't think so. This was, and always was, a love letter to his mom and all moms in general. Not mothers so much, but moms. And so when you think of it like that, this mom, she said it. This is like dot to dots to explain. Uh, she said her favorite kind of memory was the lazy day. And they picked the lazy day to show us. 
one that started out a little rocky. That might be how actual lazy days actually get going is where everyone's plans get messed up so nobody has any plans everybody's a little grumpy because of that right right and plus rain never helps anybody's mood but they get there at the end they have the kind of the the rite of passage with the shaving they have kate's in kind of uncharacteristically deciding what to do for the whole group Mm, but does isn't that familiar to what we have at the end here with her at the end, mm-hmm. this was what she wanted to be imprinted on her brain as she was dying. So I, what I'm hearing you say is she had to pick like a last memory, essentially, to kind of make this transition through, if you will. Like like you said, like that last thing you're thinking about, the very last thing. You know, people say like, you know, what were their last words? Or like, what was, what was the last thought going through your head right before you die, right? And for her, it was this lazy Saturday. Exactly. And that's that's why the episode ends when that's all over. I love it. I think it makes complete sense. And and it makes sense for those people who are like, why did we go back and have to see the little guys? Why did we have to go back and visit, you know, this particular point in time? I think you nailed it in terms of of this was her favorite memory and it was already spilled out spelled out to us. You know, earlier, Kevin said, mom loved the Lazy Saturday. That was like Mm -hmm. her jam, right? Here's what I want to also point out about that Lazy Saturday. First of all, it was filmed three, four years ago at the beginning of the series because these little, the little littles especially, um, needed to be captured when they were still tiny. So those little parts with the saying the big three chant and all those things had to be filmed years ago. I know you said we're not talking about the series yet, but I think we're just going to be dabbling it through right like, dabbling i don't know if we're, we're obviously gonna have a summary of it at the end here but i think that that forethought to do that and using that footage gives us all the warm fuzzies that fogelman knew what he was doing all along he knew exactly where it was ending just like when we started to notice early on in the seasons that upon rewatch that rebecca was forgetting things like he always knew she was gonna have alzheimer's at the end mm-hmm. you know like this wasn't on accident you know this was the story this is the way it was laid out and you know i don't i don't really know what better or like legit street cred you can give besides filming <laughs> finale footage at the beginning that could possibly say you know what you're doing and you know exactly, exactly where you want to end, right? right. Like I, I want to point out in those memories too, going back to my themes of transitions, like we had so much transition going on there with the boys, you know, learning how to shave. We had Kevin wanting, you know, wanting to be bigger, stronger and and being talked about the oh my God, how much did we laugh about the presidential fitness? test that yeah (laughs) that is so ingrained in us that's a harsh memory from kids in the 80s (laughs) oh my god especially the pull-up scene all of it the rope or whatever the crap you were supposed to climb up and the push-ups and everything i felt like we were always so small when we had to do that it was like what's this what what how do you do a sit-up like what do you do exactly like what's crazy about that is that we go see a trainer and he and we see grown men Big arms, big chest, no pull-ups. This, oh, they yeah. can't do it. Oh, yeah. So the fact that that was something that that they have a 30-kid class, five kids could do it. The rest of us just hung there. Oh, shoot. And, I would say one kid in my class could do it, like one. 
And the rest of us are supposed to feel like shit because we're not living up to the president's standards and we all love Ronald Reagan, right? So we don't want to disappoint the old guy. He's like our grandpa. He kind of was. He was. But he set these, these standards where it's like 10 pull-ups. I can't do 10 pull-ups now. What are you talking about, Ronnie? I, yeah, that was a really that was a really funny memory to just like dig up there. I appreciated that we also got this kind of transitionary moment in their parenting because I feel like we saw Jack and Rebecca being, while they would tell all their secrets to each other in the other room, they would like grab their head and be like, I don't think I'm doing this right. Most of the time when the kids were smaller, we'd get a lot of those really steady Jack talks and those really, you know, like I'm going to, maybe it's yelling even Rebecca, like saying what to do. But both of them kind of admitted, I hope I'm doing this right kind of conversation both with Randall and with Kevin. Like Rebecca's like, I don't know, Kevin, do you feel better? Like, I don't know, was that a good was that a good piece of advice? I was surprised to see that kind of bit of self-reflection, I guess I want to say, or like Jack not in any way needing to punish Randall, but realizing like the bigger issue and and really just like it was a really successful day in terms of being very just kind of honest and innocent and playful. And, you know, this wasn't going to be a day where you're going to get like harsh remarks from the parents and stuff. It was very successful in that way. Yeah. And it's not like they were all, like you said, it's not like the parents were on top of their game a hundred percent of the time that day. Like, like the boys not wanting to play. And then Jack kind of shaming them into (laughs) compliance that's not Jack's usual game exactly. That's not like bad parenting exactly. It's just not either. It's not the shiniest arrow in his quiver either. Because mm-hmm. I assume shiny arrows are the best. Right. Um, Why wouldn't they be? Right. Exactly. They fly faster. <laughs> They're sleek. They They're... cut through the air. Exactly. Shiny. <laughs> um, Aerodynamic. That that speaks back to the lazy day. Not not a high. Not a fever pitched emotional roller coaster day. Those are great memories too, but that's not right. Rebecca's favorite memory. Right. And it's just it was just like the five of them working through the day in a way too. Like things came up and they dealt with them and maybe it was handled great and maybe it was a little sloppy or a little messy or the kids were a little grumpy or whatever. But you're right. Nothing reached like this high high and nothing reached this low low, which I have to point out that's something that audiences had a little bit of a problem with, with this episode. They were expecting the drama. You know, we have the previous episode starting off with a car crash, you know, and and all the, the wildness that's happening and all the tension and everything. And A Lazy Saturday just doesn't have those high highs and those low lows. The roller coaster ride is over. This is the walk when you're going down the ramp, you know, at the end when you get off. And you're going back and forth and you're kind of laughing and you're kind of still a little scared and you're kind of a little exhausted because you waited in line and sunny and hot, but it's over. And you just are kind of walking down the ramp, easy peasy. There's no more waiting and wondering. That's kind of what the day was. I appreciated it for that. And I appreciated showing each of the kids and each of the parents how they kind of were transitioning through their own stuff. Like Kate, realizing that she could trust herself in making decisions for the whole group. Like she had the ideas, which kind of rarely happened after that. You know, thinking to Kate at the at the breaking in at the pool, you know, she was like, I don't have any suggestions. You know, like she kind of lost her. She gave up, really. Yeah, she did. But this version of Kate... She had that line when they're doing pin the tail on the donkey and she got right on the little donkey doopy right there, right? And her whole reasoning was, because y'all always keep talking and as long as I know where you guys are, I can like orient myself and I know exactly where I'm going. That 
message played through the series. The entire series and and through this episode as well. One of the big lines that I also took away from from this whole train section, because I don't want to get out of the train yet, was when Rebecca was talking about wishing that she had enjoyed it all more and and not been worried so much about when it was going to end. And she was using it in reference to the, our cold open with the swings, where we saw the three generations of Pearson's pushing kids on the swing. And, you know, she said she always just worried about the time when dad was going to say, okay, it's done, you know, and you know that feeling when you're swinging and someone catches you and mm -hmm. it's so abrupt and it's like, oh, <laughs> like it's over, you know? She felt like she didn't enjoy the ride as much as she could. I mean, as a parent, does that feel pretty uh, relatable? At 45, I can say that I, I have those exact same thoughts as I kind of cherry pick the memories, particularly of our kids when they were younger of, you know, not getting to experience that kind of stuff enough, whatever enough is, you know, like we used to take the kids to the park all the freaking time and swing them on the swings and let them do whatever they did. Elizabeth fancied herself a conductor and anything that that was like a, an, uh, a music stand, even if it wasn't, she would stand at and pretend to conduct as a little kid. She hasn't done that in years. And if we went to the park now, they'd be like, what, <laughs> what are we doing here? Right. <laughs> you know? But I want to think that we laughed and we enjoyed it and we cheered her on when she was conducting. We did. We, we thought it was adorable. We did enjoy it at the time. And I'm not saying, you know, we enjoyed every second. I don't, I don't think that that's reasonable. It's 110 degrees here, people. <laughs> but I think that it's important to give yourself that grace. You can't enjoy everything every second of the way. Maybe that's maybe I'm even speaking to this episode. And a you little. can't even know that that's the thing that you're going to want to have enjoyed more while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. You know exactly. Do I want small children right now to have more of those memories? <laughs> no, no, I do not. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no more small children. However, I really loved finding these funny old videos that were apparently shot on like an iPad or one of our super old phones because our kids were really small and we didn't have iPhones and stuff until they were much bigger. It was just a lazy a lazy day. It's it's just the kids. One of the kids had the phone or the iPad and they were walking around and they just filmed themselves. They were singing at one point. They constantly were wrestling, which looking back, I'm like, did they wrestle that, that much? Were they that like interactive? Apparently this the, day they were. Or like the, the camera just swings around with like no Because Jack's just swinging it direction. with his arm, right. Yeah, and so it's looking at nothing nothing that's happening except we can hear Jack talking and then the camera swings back toward the television <laughs> which is inset into like a, a corner arm war that's maybe five and a half feet tall and Elizabeth's like climbing down from that <laughs> <laughs> she had been perched on the top, clearly. She was climbing down like King Kong down the side of the building. And it was like, where the hell were any of us? Like, it's the funniest videotape. But you know what? It's a lazy Saturday. It literally was a random day in the life piece of footage that is the funniest thing. And also, like, it's a little worrying. <laughs> like, I'm like, where were the adults <laughs> during this time? Because that kind of stuff was happening. Like, all of a sudden, they were, they were like, just, they were climbing up on the, you know, the bunk bed tops and doing all this stuff. And it was like, 
oh my lord, how did they survive to their, right. their oh, such a ripe old age as they exactly. have? For a show to even make us have those memories and make us sit here and think about those days when it wasn't a birthday party, it wasn't Thanksgiving, it wasn't the big moment when dad got a promotion or didn't or lost his job or the dog died or whatever, but just a random day when everyone's home and everyone's kind of milling around, doing their own thing. We have them here. We'll all be like, does somebody want to play war like over here? We just did it the other day. Or, you know, let's let's play. There's a silly game called Beat the Parents, which is very silly, y'all. But we play that. It's a trivia game. It is. And, uh, you know, the kids love it. And so, like, we have those little moments that are very organic. You know, it's just like, hey, does someone want to do this? Or, hey, should we order in some food? It's wonderful. And I think... It doesn't happen these days much because while we're kids of the 80s, I feel like these days everyone's scheduled to the hilt, you know? Mm -hmm. So having a lazy day when you have nothing to go do and you don't choose to like go rake the yard or, you know, whatever, go sit down and do work, edit a podcast, whatever, but you (laughs) truly just hang out and do nothing. I mean, I want to say that's pretty rare these days. I don't envy the younger generations and and parenting them no Mm -mm. (laughs) because you don't see people taking the time what you just said like i when when a a high schooler uh, explains how their schedule works i I have no idea and when you talk to them it doesn't seem like they know a goddamn thing How can God. you how can you go to school to so much apparently and not have anything interesting to say? Well, yeah, I guess I <laughs> that's pretty harsh, Paul. But but no, I agree with you. There I, are podcast podcast listeners out there nodding along with me right now. It's true. Where you're, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a whole scene. But let's get back into our episode a little bit, Paul. Now here's the problem, Caroline. Okay, hit me. What? With the flashbacks story, they only had 42 minutes or whatever, 48 or whatever the number is, minutes of, of uh, television time to work with. In this episode, they didn't decide to bump us up to, mm-hmm. to something longer. Yeah, they had to play the young rock instead. So <laughs> we haven't talked about it yet, but the, the other story is the funeral day, mm-hmm. which, you know, there's not a lot there. If there was something that would have given me, quote unquote, what I wanted... From this episode, they would have needed to shave down this story to get there, which then would have defeated the purpose of a lazy day by pacing it like Armageddon, you know? Right. So Right. It had to be a little meandering, right? It had to be kind of slower paced in order to get a lazy day feel. Exactly. But that's also very frustrating for people who want every answer to any question that ever popped in their head the whole time they watched the series. They were praying this was like the last chance to answer little details along the way. And they didn't get some of the things that they wanted out of it. And mm-hmm. and I understand that. I mean, one of the things we talked about last week is I really wanted to see Baby Jack specifically because we had these little vignettes. Like think about the barbecue they were preparing with the big green egg. Mm-hmm. We could have flash forwarded Back to that and had family coming over for a barbecue and seeing Deja's kids and seeing where Tess ends up and what happens with Nicholas and Franny and all this stuff. Like we could have flash forward to that day or the day we said where he was setting the table for Thanksgiving. Clearly people were coming over. Who was coming over? There was such beautiful setups or going out on the stage for this big, amazing performance 
how did he get there? And what is he doing? And, you know, where even where is he even? You know, like we just wanted to know more. That theme of you will be there, how they had um, Jack there for Randall. Um, well, that is where that because I think well, that's you'll, you'll explain confusing. it better. But oh, you you know what I said earlier about the episode ending when she she dies and that's kind of cementing this idea that this story was about her. I think you could have still gone to some Thanksgiving in the future and shown how she was quote unquote there, and that would have given us that that big shove into the future that I wanted, so that you know they'd come in. They'd have all their expository scripts ex- right. explaining. Like, now that I'm a doctor, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. right. All that stuff would be said. It would just be a simple scene, and you'd have maybe Jack and Rebecca in the back. Or maybe you just like zoom in on a photo of them. Oh, you're right. Or you just have the yarn ball. Mom would have loved this. Yes, yes, yes. Some comment like that. Or maybe somebody squeezes someone else's hand in some little gesture or something. Maybe they go around the table squeezing hands or something. something Simple scene. Something to kind of, you know, just feel like you're right, that the elder Pearsons continue on in everyone's hearts, you know, for various reasons. And that's what I wanted. And This we, is why. This is why award season rewards streamers who can do whatever they want with time. I mean, go and look at the the Stranger Things episodes. None of them are the same the same length. Yeah. Or, and their finale is going to be two and a half hours long. Yeah. Or look at other dramatic series. Look at, say, Handmaid's Tale. When they have a 45-minute episode that week, they make a 45-minute episode. When they have a, an hour and 10-minute episode the next week, they do it. They do that. Mm-hmm. But here you got to fit. This is broadcast. You got to fit within the, the constraints. I think there can be a, a lot of defense made from the, the writers and I, and I don't fault them at all, but for giving us what we got. Mm-hmm. But I think in a certain amount, they had to give us just this much because they couldn't give us anymore. Yeah. And I'm also going to leave the door open, having just watched Downton Abbey, two movies you know, that that are outside the television series or continuing on the television series, I should say, there are other avenues that This Is Us gets to continue, whether it's continued on as a spinoff, whether there's, I don't even want to call it a reboot, but if there's if there's a just a continuation five years from now or, or a movie, they left the door open to a lot of potential. If I was Fogelman, I would be sitting there thinking like, how can I get the most money? Because they left it without everything being said. So you have the you have just enough to quench our thirst for just right now. Because we're all going to be hungry for more, they just set themselves up for awesome negotiations. You know, where people are like, I need to know what happened to baby Jack. I need to know. <laughs> like, I want more information about like how, what happened to Haley and how did it work and where did she go and blah, blah, blah. And just... All the things. It would be so easy. Even someone pointed out this. Do you remember with Haley that she she came from a surrogate and that woman had another daughter, Ellie? There's right. a whole story there where someone could start some sort of drama about Haley tracking down the surrogate mom and have Ellie and having this whole story going on, what have you. Like there's stuff there, you know, that could be talked about. I'm, I'm going with that they, they purposely... Didn't say it all. And, you know, I'll give you an example of someone else who did this. For Gilmore Girls, Amy Sherman Palladino, she always said she knew the last three words that were going to be said 
for the finale of her show, right? Yeah. The series finale came and went. No three words were said. Why? She wasn't in charge of the show anymore. What's important is it left the door open. They didn't close it off because once the three words are said, it's over. So it's like there was a there was a way here to keep the door open that I respect in the storytelling that it just keeps going on. There's there's no amount of information that they could have given us that really would have satisfied everybody because Exactly, true. Had yeah. we seen 10-year-old William, Deja's son, there and he makes some comment and then we're like, well, wait a minute. Where, well, how does William grow up? Like now I need to flash forward to his life. Like we always want to know what the next thing would have been, right? People are very invested in these characters. They are. We are too. I want, I mean, I legitimately want to know what happens with a lot of these, these people. So let's move to the day of the funeral. Yeah. Cause it's important to kind of, Again, think about the transition that the big three are going through. You know, now they've lost their mom and they are going into this phase that I actually kind of think about quite a lot. With my own parents, we do like Christmas at their house. They host like everything all the time. And I do think about like when they're not here anymore, I love my siblings. I want to hang out with them. I want to do stuff with them. But I also would understand if having all of us have our own kids and stuff, if there would start to be like, well, we're going to go do this for Christmas. And there's like not that centralized glue that holds you together anymore. So It's love, Caroline. When they were talking about drifting, I really felt like this is very relatable in a lot of siblings' homes where they're like, I don't know exactly when we'll get together again. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know in my dad's family, they started reunions specifically because... There was no longer a family home to go to for Christmas anymore. My grandparents had sold it. They weren't hosting like the big everyone come home kind of feel anymore without like a contrived reason for everyone to come back. People were going to kind of drift to the wind. What did you think about that conversation on the cabin stairs there worrying about what happens to these three We'd seen them go through so much together. I mean, you, the, in the part of the rewatch that you've been doing the past couple of weeks, it seems like Randall is flying to everyone's house that needs yeah, him. Yeah, he sure did. He's, who is it that you say his name and he just, just appears like a leprechaun or Rumpelstiltskin or something? That, that's, it's Rumpelstiltskin, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's Randall. Randallstiltskin? Yes. <laughs> Grandallstiltskin. Randallstiltskin. He will be like that as a Grandall. He'll show up anytime someone says they need him. Yeah, on Air Force One, right? Oh, ooh, maybe. We're going to find out, hopefully. So, I mean, that's a thing that I think if you're in the moment, it's fair to say that. Because we don't know what the last few years have looked like. You know, Kate has been living her life, traveling. Kevin has been doing whatever he does with the... with he's either. Been, he's been caretaking. There's that. There's the big three. There's probably still some acting here and there. No, I think he's running his nonprofit and he was taking care of his mom. Still, I, I people that retire was... from acting, they still act here and there when they can do okay, it Okay, short and controlled and someone throws money at them. I just saw a lot of Hill 400, which was a done deal a long time ago. I didn't see a lot of like new stuff. So I don't know. I mean, when they go down the line and they talk about each of their things, Kevin doesn't talk about acting. He talks no. about running his nonprofit 
And that, I think, was something that we easily came to the conclusion. Like, this is the obvious track for him. He's, it, we, they even laid that very, very well when um, Randall had bought the apartment building. And Kevin, like, was actually a great hand in helping out with, like, fixing things up and stuff. Like, like he, had, he had Jack's drive to want to, like, build things, I guess. Whether or not it's with his own hands or not. He definitely had that. Did that feel good and okay to just be told that? My preference would have been just a quick scene that fit into a montage with one of their patented tearjerker songs where you see Kevin with like some rolled up plans under his arm and a hard hat pointing at guys. Cassidy walks over. They laugh about something. Then the kids run in. <laughs> For some reason, they're at the build site, you know. Nice. And and I know that Sophie's the wife, but Cassidy's like the foreman, like his right, his right like hand. Like a golden retriever runs by. Uh, you know, something like that, you know. I agree. It could have been just like, you know, some sort of ribbon cutting on a neighborhood that they built or or something. I don't know. The same way that they ended Marcus's story with a simple award ceremony that you understood what he did, but they didn't just tell you that he developed you know, an Alzheimer's medication. They didn't just tell us that. They did it in an awards ceremony, which just took a minute. You could even make it really just a minute. Here's uh, listen oh, to this. Oh, oh, listen to this. Oh. Okay, so some <laughs> some humanitarian awards ceremony. Yeah. Right. Perhaps he's even being presented the award by his brother, the president. <gasps> Who knows? That but would have been awesome. They would never mention the Manny specifically. Or make the Manny say what bullshit that had like followed him. He just had to deal with it, but it was sort of chagrined. It was just sort of like, yeah, that was my job. And I know that's your favorite part of it. Something like former actor, current humanitarian, my brother, Kevin Pearson, you know, something like that. Kind of, kind of Jimmy Carter-esque, right? Like um, Habitats for Humanity is like where he like spends all his time post, you know, politics. Mm. I mean, you could totally see him doing something like that. And it makes a ton of sense, you know, and you're right. We could have gotten a twofer because all we got was that Randall was going to be doing this democratic, you know, meet and greet kind of thing. But it would have been awesome to see him having one, you know, whatever, however far ahead they want to show us. It would have been pretty amazing. Maybe Kevin gets a, a, a cabinet position as the head of housing and urban development. How about that? Or, there some, you go. or like Veterans Affairs even or something. I don't even know. There could be many things, right? I could see it. Kate, of of course, at this ceremony would be leading the visually impaired music school students to be singing as, you know, the background and, songs mm-hmm, and stuff. Yeah. Like, they could have done this. We just wrote it. <laughs> like, it could have happened. And I wanted to see it. So here's one of the things I want to say. Every single time I saw someone say the phrase, I was disappointed, I, like, literally cringed. Like, I, I, I physically went, like, ooh, like, I got hit in the back. I feel like it's a huge betrayal to the series to say I'm disappointed about an episode when they have beat us over the head with pull the camera back, see it for the piece it plays in the whole. I don't think it's fair to to feel disappointed when, yes, we just went through that whole thing of things that could have been, but that's part of life, right? Like things get 
cut off sooner than you wanted it to. You don't get to see everything you had hoped you would get to see. You know, all the things. That's just part of it, right? Right. But I feel like it's a betrayal to say I'm disappointed because it right. feels like, oh, like, don't do that <laughs> when they have done so good by you for so many years. Don't don't do that. There's so many, so many series that the the actors, the creators, they've all legit done their best. They've they've given you this entertainment that's kept you coming back for more. And you say, the ending ruined it for me. I'll never watch that again. <laughs> right. Like, fuck you. That's too strange. What have you made? <laughs> Where's your television writing credits? If if you have them, fine. But if you don't, then, you know, uh, they can't please everybody. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like, when people say, like, oh, that finale ruined the show for me. I'm like, oh. like No, I haven't heard anything quite so strong as that. It's really sour grapes about wanting more. You know, it's just the things they Which did. I have, I have to admit. I, yeah, it, but it's, they addressed it all. William told you, if you're sad that it's over, it must have been pretty great, you know, when it was happening. So yeah, you're not going to get it all, but that's the way it goes, you know? Mm -hmm. So about, let's talk about the the funeral service and stuff for just a, just a moment here because we, we kind of glossed over it. But here's the thing. I know that, there was some amount of griping about the fact that it was kind of montage that we didn't even get to hear any of the speeches or really the music or anything, especially the music. That kind of – there's something about that that a little bit gets to me because of how music was so important to her. We should have gotten a chance to kind of see that a little bit. But I get it because having been to funerals to people who are close to me, and I, and I have not lost a parent, so I can't imagine it. I can only imagine the blur that it all must be. You know, like how Randall said, yeah, like he gave a speech, but he couldn't remember anything he said. I think that's the same thing we said about Jack's funeral, which was cut and staged pretty much the same way. It really was. There was actually an argument at the wake over his watch, which you probably don't remember because you haven't been a part of my rewatch. But if you guys go back and rewatch, you're going to see that Randall and Kevin get into it at the wake. And it's all very, very upsetting about who's going to wear Jack's watch. We don't get any of that kind of stuff at this. There is no drama. There is no big blow up. There is no nothing. It's just a lot of, I hope we all can can continue to, to just love each other the way that our parents, you know, wanted us to. And everybody just trying to share moments with each other. We have Deja trying to console Randall with the news that she's decided that they want to name the baby William. What did you think about the fact that Deja had never even met William? Which, you know, until someone pointed it out, I was like, for real? Is that true? But it's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that speaks about the overwhelming residual presence he left on that family, even though he wasn't there anymore. He put so much of the time and care that he had left in him when he entered that family, specifically into the girls. Oh, yeah. And she even said, you know, even though I never met William, I met you. You know, and obviously she thinks that Randall is a pretty great person. And so it was very much honoring Randall to name the baby William. Nikki had nothing to say in this episode except for that one exchange he had with, with Kevin. I understood it. And I don't really have a problem with the language. I know you, you did. Is there something you would have preferred to see or something? Was it, was it just out of place? Was it just the wrong sentiment? Like, what what about it? really put a, a a thorn in your side on it. I appreciated the sentiment completely that, you know, when you live life away from family, then while you don't get the good times, you also don't suffer through the bad times. 
So, you know, Nikki's whole feeling of thanks a lot for like coming and finding me and dragging me here. And now I'm like hurting because I fell in love with people who who have now passed away. And I just ah, like my shoulders just went like, I swear all the time. You guys, I swear all the time to the children. (laughs) They're adults now. To grandma. Paul. (laughs) There was something about the language that just fell off. Partially because it's broadcast, I guess, and partially just because it was just such a tender time to be at Rebecca's wake, you know, that to be, to have him say, you know, the effing and then call him a dick. I just, those words were too strong for me, you know, like, I just wish he was like, he could have had the same exact sentiment with a little bit less harsh wording. He could have just literally said what he meant and been like, thanks a lot for finding me in the trailer. And now my heart's breaking in half. Like, that's awesome. And like, walk away kind of thing. You're a dick. And I know that Kevin laughed and I know he didn't mean he was a dick and I get it completely. And I also know that audiences loved it. They were like, this was the height of humor and was just the funniest moment. And I needed this moment to to break the tension and all that. I get it. It just, it hurt my ears. That's not the exchange I needed to see. Those were the last words we're going to ever get out of Nikki. And I know he's a curmudgeon and I know all that stuff, but we've spent too much time with the man. <laughs> he he could have said something that was funny and snarky. And well, that was. It wasn't to me. Like, it wasn't. <laughs> like, it didn't hit. I don't know. I don't know. I think I have a pretty good sense of humor. I, I didn't think it was. It didn't hit the way that it did for so many other people. I mean, did you burst out laughing? No, but it was a very solemn kind of thing. Maybe it was the 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 severe clash in tone for me that made it like that's something you might have said anywhere besides the church which is totally nikki i mean we got the ed comment like when she when uh in the previous episode when he said you know she's a she's a half decent you know cook Cook, and then she said he's a half decent human you know like that was like super funny but she didn't say you're a dick (laughs) <laughs> to him in that same moment. Right. Thanks for finding on my plane, dick. <laughs> I mean, do you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just something like you, they could have, they could have made a joke of it. I don't know. I know a lot of you guys might be listening saying like, Caroline, get over it, whatever. It was just weird because it's the last time I get to see Nikki and that's what we go out on. And so in the spirit of not weird. getting over things, Uh-oh. the exchange between Toby and Kate, again, just drove Ooh. home. Why? Paul Daly, do you want to go off on a rant on this one? I, I mean, what what's left to be said? This the the Philip storyline. I mean, I have stuck up for the writers and Dan Fogelman up to this point, but I cannot get behind the whole thing of them getting divorced and then Philip amounting to zero <laughs> after that. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of ad. For him and not not even through this portion no you know and toby you know uh you know apparently finding someone we don't know exactly where in the timeline he finds her because just sometime he needed coffee <laughs> exactly <laughs> but it's just so weird because she was introduced and like it, it, like she doesn't come into play at all and so it's like i know we needed to maybe know he finds someone and and feels you know contented in his life but i wish they had just separated and let them be separated even for half the season or even most of the season. And maybe they do come back together because of Rebecca's death and and how Toby and them, they kind of soften to each other and kind of realize maybe the the finite nature of life, kind of get over their differences. You know, like mm-hmm. I could have 
been really happy with that kind of result because Toby was everywhere. <laughs> so big and proud and, and had supportive things to say again. Yeah. Where's Philip twiddling his mustache, watching the kids play, apparently. Uh, again, I had said a long time ago, if Kate was going to be, be remarried, having a blind child in your family, definitely, if you found a blind professional in the world, there is something that's very attractive about that whole situation because he would be such an amazing mentor and be able to help in so much in educating Jack and helping, you know, figure the the road out for him. And that's all amazing. And I'm glad that they figured out that for Philip. I mean, Jack went on to become a professional musician. Obviously, so. and was super duper successful. If that was his house with the green egg. Overlooking San Diego or I whatever, mean, or, or San Francisco, I mean to say. It was gorgeous. So, I mean, obviously he was very successful. Could he have gotten there if he was with Toby as his dad? I don't know. Or, are we, or do we say no? It was his mother who made the music schools, mm -hmm. who ultimately made him successful on an international level. Right, because she... That's her storyline. Philip cannot sing. Wrong. Despite being a music teacher, he cannot sing. That's, I mean, it's not a crime, <laughs> but you know. Right. You know, so so that was the follow-up that we got with Kate, though, on that porch, was that she was she was going to open up all these visually impaired music schools and, and all over the, the world, and that was going to be her her path. And I think that's admirable and, and awesome and certainly believable for these three where their paths were supposed to go. I think we do have to hit on the pin the tail of the donkey game that it did make its its resurgence again and that we found out why the, it mattered to them or why they why they picked it up in the first place. That was a sweet moment. I'm curious to know if if that manufacturer It's real. People on eBay have already been showing it off that you can buy that game with a with that exact makeup of kids on the on the uh, cover of the game. I mean, all our three kids at that size were all from the same parents, but we did have special circumstances. So if we had seen something that just nailed our little grouping, right, we would have bought it. It would have been special. It would have stood out in our memory. I have a totally random piece of art that were two girls and a boy that the girl is looks like she's kind of looking away from the other two and the way that they're all sized like looks like R3 and I totally bought it and it was like Steinmart, you know, but it was just like a random thing that it was like, I see my kids in this piece of art and like, I totally want to take this home and that pin the tail on the donkey game, you can see why it was so important in the moment and, you know, it continued to be important to them. Overall, this finale episode, I think I've been clear. I, I There's a lot about it I understand. There's a lot about it that I, that I even like. I was hoping for certain things and that left me with a, a moment there when the screen goes black of, of really thinking this is it, I really needed more, mm. but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to say I was disappointed or underwhelmed. Those words are too strong because the, the rest of the show taught me the lesson, right? The, the, <laughs> yes. You know, the, the, if it's, if you're sad when it's ending, it must've been wonderful as it was going. So yes, it was. Did I want a little bit more? Yes. Do I understand what it was doing? Do I have my own peace with how it ended and um, it feeling successful? Yes. 
Um, I don't know what that equates to in thumbs or stars, uh, <laughs> but but a high rating, a high rating. Awesome. What about you? For me, when this show came into our lives, it was remarkable to me how much they nailed different parts of life from relationships with parents, relationships with siblings, the way that, you know, uh, Beth and Randall would joke with each other and and just like what a real couple really looks like that we don't often get to see on TV that just made me happy to see them. And then the way that they chose to lay out the narrative for us with the flash forwards and the flashbacks and and how you would have to like watch the cold open and not know exactly who this person was and how they folded in and till the end of the episode. And it was it was always exciting week to week. I was happy to follow the adventure and always surprised when they would find some little detail that I related to in my life. And I was like, wow, like when we're sitting there watching Baby Jack get out of the house and take and take that walk to the park. I mean, you and I were hyperventilating <laughs> because they nailed it so precisely what it is like to be a parent of, of a visually impaired child. And just for us, it was just so, so much. If I can feel that way about characters that were just conjured out of thin air with like pencil and paper, you know, kind of thing, that is pretty amazing. And it's not just the story. It's the way they told the story. Guys, go back and do the rewatch because one of the things that I felt about this episode and as quiet as that Lazy Sunday was, I told Paula, if you just showed that chunk of the flashback with the little guys coming in and singing the big three song and and then seeing these these guys going through these transitions and someone said, so you're my focus group. Do you want to see how this family started? Would you like to see how these parents met? Would you like to see where these three kids grow up to be? Would you like to find out why why Randall doesn't look like the other two kids? Like, would you like to know? I think 90% of audiences would say, yeah, I'm pretty curious. Like, I want to know just based on that little chunk, which sends the viewer right back to season one, episode one. Very cyclical, very much in the way that they have talked about life on this show in general, just the patterns of going back. And even when we were watching the um, the funeral and watching Randall, who vacillated so much between the most anxious man in the world and the most confident man in the world, seeing him question whether it was all pointless, like what 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 was all this for? Revisiting that side of Randall of being like, where do I fit in? What? How does this all work? We're really just going to go on with our lives like none of this happened? Like uh, how, how, how are we supposed to continue on? Those are questions that all of us have asked, you know, at different points in our lives. And getting to see him kind of do that exercise but knowing having watched the series he's gonna come through it Beth's gonna talk to him Deja comes over and talks to him the girls are gonna comfort him and he's gonna come through this and he's gonna find his path again I don't know it makes you feel like like I really get it I understand the cycle of of this family I'm at peace with it would you recommend it to people I absolutely would recommend it to people and I find that People who have watched it almost accidentally, like maybe I'm at their house and I'm like, hey, listen, this is Tuesday night and I usually watch this. So I'm going to put this on if you don't mind, um, which I have done at multiple people's houses. And they will sit down and watch the episode with me and be like, huh, that was awesome. Like that was so much more engaging than I expected, because I think 
we all grew up with the quote unquote family drama that was on TV. You know, there was there we had sitcoms and stuff, but there was also kind of this family drama that existed at this like kind of silly level, like I don't know, Knots Landing or Dallas or or Dynasty or, or something later, like that, uh, right? Thirty something. Um, well, I'm not even talking about that yet. I'm talking about like that section, right? right. Like the kind, yeah, of kind of dramatic, that, that weird aspirational. Really, yeah, it was like crazy, but not. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. I didn't relate to it. The sitcom families where everything was a laugh track moment, and then there was like this middle part, like you said, thirty something. Even probably if you go back like the Waltons or Little House on the Prairie or something like that, where you're just kind of understanding this this life that and all of those ones always had like nuggets of wisdom, you know, kind of put in there, these little pearls that you could take away and be like, wow, that that was I never really thought about it like that. You know, think of Michael Landon looking at you in the face and telling some little story to half pint, half pint. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like. There was something about those that that just, I don't know, I think we need it in our lives. And a lot of people kind of think it's too sappy or too simple. I need, you know, this super esoteric, crazy, you know, what, what um, you know, third world planet am I living on kind of wild adventure. I don't need that. I don't need anybody chopped up and I don't need anybody, you know, found on the side of the road and we're going to figure out who killed them or whatever. Like, well, that's crazy. I don't but, need it, that. But it. But that's what they're up against. That if is you, what they're it, up against. If you look at, say, the other nominees in their category, like from those streamers that I mentioned a while ago, in terms of either show or actors or actresses, who are they up against? They're up against Jason Bateman for Ozark. Mm -hmm. They're up against The Crown Mm -hmm. You know, a, a period drama with tons of money thrown at it to make it look exactly right. And not only that, you but know? talk about aspirational. I mean, this is a story of royalty about, you know, things that happen that we will never understand or experience ourselves. Well, and with Ozark, some of the drama is inherent in the life or death stakes that are present in every second of the character's life. Right. Now, we just discussed... Pin the tail on the donkey. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. And and Foursquare, right? Right. And and you're supposed to compare how that performance in those moments makes you feel in terms of that actor's quality, right? Mm -hmm. Or the or the show that's supporting it overall. Does that feel dramatic to you? And it's not a fair playing field. Yeah, it's drama, but it's sort of like thriller drama, but there's no thriller subset. And that's what gets all of the attention. Right. Well, and better we, call Saul, right? Yeah. Breaking Bad. I, I agree. And I think that the trick of this show was, again, their approach to how they told the story. I think if they just came week to week and it was like, this week it's a birthday party. And just from beginning to end, they just told the 1985 birthday party year. And that's what you got. I think that you would fall into Sapsville and feel like this is not what I want. But the clever writing and the realistic portrayal of all different diverse people and things that people were going through. And then the flash forwards and the flashback and the like, oh, my God, reveals. And, you know, second episode, second episode, you have Rebecca on the front porch with Miguel when they open the door. I mean, talk about like pick your job off the floor. It's the way they revealed the things. It's not just that, oh, her husband died and she remarries, you know, a, a best friend of his from a long time ago. If they just told it linear, it would be kind of like, okay, 
but they found a way to add the not exactly thriller, but there was mystery aspects. I mean, people sat around at the water cooler type conversation saying, how in the hell is Jack going to die? And every single week I can remember being like, oh, it's going right. to be this. Oh, Toby's it's like, be this. can you tell me about how your dad died? And she's like, okay, no, I can't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, or, or we would start to see something. He would be like, remember when he went to go drive and he was drinking? Oh my God, this is going to be the time. He's going to get in a car accident. This is how he's going to die. Every week we would sit there on the edge of our seat wondering, is this the week? Is this when it's going to happen? What the hell? That That's fantastic storytelling. This is the kind of stuff I needed, especially, I mean, we had such a weird time with getting the pandemic rules and everything and the way that they had to film and, and the storylines they had to leave behind, which, shoot, you could do a whole podcast of storylines that didn't really get fulfilled because they didn't get to have full seasons or we had a, a a presidential election and we had an Olympics and we had all these things in the run of the show that constantly threw, this, threw it off schedule where mm -hmm. people were missing it or they had to skip weeks or whatever. They had to overcome a lot to really be like this little, I'm going to say it, this little engine that could, Paul. <laughs> You know, they caboose and all. Caboose and all. They had to. They had to go up against these shows. You're right, where people's heads were being blown off, and they were just a Tuesday night show on just a, a broadcast channel with 42 little tiny minutes to try to show us something. I think they succeeded wildly. It's the storytelling approach that pulled me in. I mean, I, I was not interested <laughs> in seeing people cry every week. But when you showed me an episode and it's like, see, it kind of bounces back and forth. And you said the magic words, kind of like lost. Yeah. Then it was like, okay, now I'm listening. I'll consider this. And the that approach wasn't usually the, the gimmick that lost kind of turned it into where they needed to find new ways to make flashbacks, flash forwards, oh, side, side flashes. Sideways. Yeah. That was always the, uh, the brain blower. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're sideways. Right. Yeah, no, I, oof, that was crazy. I, I think you're a hundred percent right. Like those, those moments I think gave a lot of credit to the audience that we were smart and we were savvy and we could keep track of all these different people at different ages in different circumstances and bring it back together. And I hope that our podcast gave people like the moment to be able to kind of sort it through throughout all these years because sometimes it wasn't easy. Sometimes you were looking at a person and they were telling you information, but Oh my God, I will never understand why this guy or that guy showed up. I have to hear about the red-haired little girl and the doctor with the horse and the blah, 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 blah. And we know it didn't go anywhere. And But they claimed they had a storyline for that ball, but that would have gone somewhere wild that we would have gone down that path. I don't know. I just, I feel like there's something about the quality of the acting. And like you were, we were saying last week, the casting to be able to do it right. I mean, God, they could have messed this up so bad had they just had, just tweak down the casting a little bit and it'd be like, yeah. I can't even keep track because I don't know who these people are supposed and, to be. And they, they went into dangerous waters with that because kids yeah. have a habit of being cast at three and a half feet tall and then turning out to be six and a half feet tall <laughs> by the time you're done. Look at Stranger Things. Yeah. I mean, the kid that plays uh, Mike 
He's a giant. Yeah. <laughs> he's still supposed to be in middle school. He's riding like a BMX bike. <laughs> right. Right. His legs are like touching the ground. He's on the, to, the highest seat level. They have to use like forced perspective and stick him in the way back so that his head appears tiny, but at least he's the right height compared to everybody else. Yeah. They took a lot of risks with this show and they trusted the audience to hang in there during times when it did get confusing and we weren't really sure. And there's things that we didn't appreciate at the end because we did fall in love with certain characters. Like, you're not going to forgive them about the Toby. Yeah, they didn't have to do them like that. Well, I'm very much hoping that Dan Fogelman gets a well-earned rest and something tickles his brain to want to sit down and write stories for these characters again. If it's in a spinoff form, certainly Beth and Randall have... A huge following that they they could a hundred percent anchor a show, even if it's just as the grandparents. Maybe that's where their story goes, and you know we're watching all these girls grow up and see all the things that happen in their lives, and we still get to visit in with Randall and Beth. I think that would be pretty amazing for me. Go talk to Vince Gilligan, yes, and figure out how to better call Saul this thing. You know, maybe maybe your Saul in this case, pick one of the underserved characters. Pick Annie, pick Haley, pick Baby Jack, for, for all I know. It just somehow there is a way to start fresh, bring in the audience that you that you earned with this show and expand on a character that we already love just like Better Call Saul does with Breaking Bad, weaves in where necessary, but has largely blazed its own trail, but but uses that same storytelling technique that made people love Breaking Bad. Right. Vince Gilligan is the creator and showrunner for those shows, in case you were curious. There's also an element of a guy knowing his career is going to be finite, striking gold in terms of getting on the air with a show that people love is not something that a lot of people get a thousand times in a career. They Some get it once, and that is great. I think the Manny is supposed to be that example for us. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin strikes gold twice, and that's supposed to be like... Or that's that's that, enough. Set him up for life. Exactly. So I'm not saying Fogelman's a one-trick pony or anyone that does that is. I'm just saying be smart. <laughs> I, I mean, I, and I'll piggyback on that and say when you find a storyline that is so rich and so accessible for people and that people are are literally clamoring for any additional information you will give me. I saw an interview where people needed to know what happened to the the dog audio <laughs> that was Kate and Toby's. And Fogelman said, audio had a wonderful life with joint custody between Kate and Toby, and he was perfectly happy and healthy and lived a happy life. People wanted to know that amount of detail. If you have that world, look at like Harry Potter. Look, I mean, think of all the different characters they've chosen from that to just run with. You know, maybe it was all about Harry at the beginning, but it certainly isn't now. You know, now it's a whole universe that you can be immersing yourself in. People always want to know about the animals. Do you remember in Lost there was... Yes. There was... Um, I'm not going to talk about the dog. Oh, there, no. There was there was a moment when they were talking about um, the University of Michigan and the DeGroots and the people that made the um, the Hanzo, Hanzo Foundation that funded... Dharma Initiative. Dharma Initiative, right. And there was just like this weird 
video or film that they watched and just for a second on screen they're doing some tests on like an orangutan or a large ape of some kind okay during the time that lost was on i listened to the podcast created by the showrunners carlton cues and damon lindelof the main writers the showrunners they were hand in hand with decision making on the show there would be this ridiculous number of people wanting to know all about this monkey. So do I know the name of the monkey? Yes. His name was Jupe. <laughs> oh, my God, Paul. You're like, do I name the name of the monkey? Absolutely, I do. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. That's super funny. You're right. And... All of that goes, though, to when you create such a rich world that people just can't get enough of. I mean, I just I don't see it. We said it early on. The Fogelmans, including his wife, Caitlin, they would like to have money, I'm sure. I'm sure. Whenever it was even partially revealed that Madison was going to have even 1% more of a role, I was like, we are never losing Madison again. Because now she is in Every episode, even when it makes no sense that Madison is standing there with Elijah in the background or whatever. Which happened in this episode, actually. Or it, the previous one, maybe. It was like, the kids, you don't need those two there to have Kevin's kids there. No. But every single time that she's on there, you know, the Fogelmans get a check. Yeah, exactly. So that's the thing. Like, it was so easy to figure out that Madison wasn't going anywhere. She was going to hang in here and she was going to be... In all these episodes, because the Fogelmans would like to continue to get paid, it would have to be some extreme circumstances that NBC or whoever else, maybe it'll be like Netflix or Hulu or somebody will say, hey, we feel like you were kind of constrained over on broadcast TV. Do you want to come over here? And like, we can do a whole other thing. I don't even know what the spinoff would be. I think about All in the Family, because when people think spinoffs, I think people think you stay really tight to the original thing. Nah. And really, I mean, when well, because spinoffs are not that common anymore. Well, you that's know? true. I mean, they're thinking so, the Joni and Chachi to happy days, right? Right, where like you almost have to be like going back to your parents' living room every week or something like that, whatever. But like All in the Family, I mean, we had Maud and Good Times and all these shows that came spinning off of that that don't that never went back to Archie. You know, like they don't have to go back to those original characters like they really can just go off on their own adventures and choose different characters and follow them however they want to. They can start from absolute scratch with some of these characters because we have a pregnancy. I think that there's a whole world out there that could be explored. When you have a character like Jack Damon, someone who is blind, who is being extremely successful in their profession, it feels like a crime to me to not explore his world and do more. And I, I feel like that that would be a show that people would want to know how he did it. You know, how did he become so successful? How does he, um, you know, have this wonderful relationship? How is he so financially successful? All the things, you know, mm -hmm. because there is genuine love and care for this character. And also there's there's a population of people who really want to see that represented on TV. So I really think there's a lot of potential fodder here, right? You could sit here and play with it all day long. People could, could fanfic it out forever. All the thick. <laughs>
So I want to say thank you guys so much for listening to us and getting to know about our own family and sharing your thoughts and ideas over the years. We've got to know many of our listeners will write in multiple times and tell us how things are going in their own life or what how they took the show that week. We're very grateful to have an opportunity to do this. We don't have that many shows that have come to total conclusion like this, where we actually had it all planned out. We all knew it was going to end and it ended. It just didn't get canceled because we had a couple of those shows on, on Pod Clubhouse <laughs> where you got one season and it was over. But this is one where we've been on this for so long and really gotten to know all these characters and got to know you guys. And I hope you got to know us a little bit. So come and listen to our other podcasts. And we just want to thank you guys so much again. This is Caroline. And this is Paul. Please remember to rate review and subscribe to this podcast and the pod clubhouse main podcast where you'll find at least 40 podcasts of all different kinds of shows perhaps your next favorite show with caroline me our partner mike and all kinds of other hosts a high rating on itunes or spotify or amazon or wherever you find our podcast will help other people find our podcast and enjoy it just as much as you did thanks for listening thanks a lot thank you for listening this has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.